Good morning. I almost heard some of you, so good morning. A glorious day as we gather in God's house. He is an awesome, incredible God. Uh, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, we're looking at some of the attributes of God, uh, some of the ways in which we describe him, also ways in which we know him. And we've talked about him being merciful and trustworthy and loving. Today we're taking on a gigantic topic. One that none of us can wrap our minds around while we're on this earth. And it's God is holy. Yesterday at about 5 o'clock, I came across a video. It's five minutes long. So it's, it's longer than I would normally like to do it. Put on by the Bible Project. Anybody ever see or use it? Yeah, really great stuff. If you ever want to look up maybe a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible, it'll give a really great summary. Well, they tackled the topic of holiness. And even after a five-minute video, we're only going to know this much of what it means that he is holy. So we're going to play that to start our service out, kind of set the scene, and then we're going to jump into that first song and pr pray and worship this God who is holy and is worthy of all the, the worship we can muster up. So let's watch this. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. 
I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness, because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place. It's the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs> totally. So it flies over with a hot coal. And then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development. This time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a, a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus's purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. 
And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now, but where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. This time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. Would you please rise for our first song?
seated. I wish you could have seen this. Um, Alex was right over here first. I was watching him kind of bop around. Then we make our way over here waiting to come up the stairs and he is just making the moves. I think he is sensing something really beautiful and powerful. It's God's love for us through music like this. So I uh, hope you keep dancing forever and praising Jesus forever, right? Right? Oh, I can have this? Thank you very much. You want it back? Okay. All right, why are we here? We're here to celebrate the grace of God in our life. And as we get ready for baptism for Alex, just want to walk you through what I call the bad news and the good news, and then also God's answer. Uh, the bad news is this. Everyone is born a sinner. Every one of us. Just the way it is. In fact, the Bible says, all fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin would be death. But the good news is God saw that and God decided to do something about it. He sent his son Jesus who came on this earth, lived a perfect life. And then he suffered and died and rose again to pay for sins and to win a victory. And that victory is for all of us. And how he gets connected to us, we actually find in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is getting ready to go up into heaven he had a group of people in front of him like this, and he gave them marching orders to the church. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Then he says how to do it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he gives a promise. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So there we have this calling for baptism where God wants to give his grace, his mercy, his love for us. So, uh, one of the traditions is to ask godparents to come alongside mom and dad and to spiritually be there for Alex. And some of the ways in which you can do it is pray for him, you know, that he grows up, you know, um, not just physically, emotionally, intellectually, but spiritually. Number two, 
encourage and be there for mom and dad. Encourage them the importance of, of uh, all the things that Alex needs to grow up knowing Jesus. The other thing I tell people is model the Christian faith because he's going to watch you and he'll learn from you. And then the other thing, which is a little bit unique, is people will remember his birth date. So go ahead, do that. But remember his baptismal date. As he's growing up, remember this day. Remember what God did on May 15th. So if you're willing to take on a very important spiritual responsibility, then answer, I will, with God's help. I will, with God's help. God give you the love and faith to do this on behalf of Alex. Uh, what a glorious gift and moment this is. Uh, but you're all part of this, too. Remember, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's a great summary of the Christian faith. If we can get that ready to have the Apostles' Creed put up on the screen. Uh, there it is. And if you want, you can take a look over there. Uh, let's share this together out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Next, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Are we ready? Alex, Kosh, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And may our Heavenly Father, who brought you into his family through baptism, always keep you safe in his loving arms. Amen. How is that? Yeah, a little cold. Yeah, it's water. All right. One of the things, Jesus taught many things while he was on the earth. One of the things he said about himself, he says, I am the light of the world. And one of the things we're going to pray for in just a moment is that the light of Jesus would shine brightly in Alex's life each and every day. And so it's not just, quote, mom and dad and godparents, but all of us together. Let's uh, just keep remembering Alex in our prayers and just pray that God would do his mighty work in him. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again for all that you did for Alex. We pray your blessing on him, that he would grow up physically intellectually, emotionally, but spiritually, that he would know you as Lord, Savior, and friend. Bless Alex today and always, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now remember what we do whenever we see something great that God does? I'd like you to stand and applaud, okay? All right. Woo-hoo. And I just want to say thank you for your partnership in the gospel. You know, the ministry and mission that takes place at 1C, this is what it's all about. It's lives changed and blessed. So thank you for all that you do to have uh, ministry take place. A couple quick announcements for you uh, as we make our way through. We have a fundraiser, actually several fundraisers, uh, that will support our young people as they get ready to go on a gathering, youth gathering, 
in uh, Texas, and so it has to do with food. So if you like food, uh, we have a couple more opportunities, four more locations for you to go to, and you get to eat, and some of the proceeds come back for our young people. So everyone wins. So if you'd like to do that, there's some opportunities for you. Um, also, uh, sidewalk profits. They're coming back again. Remember, if you were here, we had the, the entire church filled. Um, great presentation of the gospel of Jesus. And so I'd love for you to come June 12th. And uh, tickets are, you can start the process by looking on our website. But be thinking about who you could bring to come to this and be blessed by the message of the gospel. A very unique way to share that good news. Um, also, if you are, if you're graduating, okay, we'll just say if you're a high school graduate, a college graduate, um, would you please stand at this time? We're not going to put you on the spot any more than just standing. Okay, if, you, if you're a graduate, kind of stand. All right. Thank you. Um, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Pray God's blessing as you go on to the next chapter of life. And we are so thankful for all that God has done up until now. And we are confident that God who began a good work will complete it because he is so good. Lord, we uh, thank you again for all that you've done um, in the lives of these young people. And may your hand of blessing be on them as they turn from one chapter to the next. And whatever that is, we do know that you're going to go with them and you will bless them. So thank you for that. And Lord, we say um, we entrust them into your care because you are always faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's uh, again give a round of applause what God is doing in lives of these young people. Uh, right, a couple quick things too. We have a digital bulletin, so if you want to know what's going on in the life of the church, if you want to know how to submit a prayer request, if you want to get the sermon notes, if you want, you can grab that QR code, put it on your phone, and you'll have that available for you. We also have hard copies if you prefer that by the door on the way out. Also, in front of you, if you're here and you're thinking, well, I got a prayer and I'd like to include it in the service today, we have some of these cards in the chair backs in front of you. That'll walk you through how to do a prayer for the service. Um, it'll also tell you about um, communion. We're going to have a moment of communion, you know, where we celebrate the grace of God. This will tell you what we believe as a church and how you can take communion. Um, and the last thing, uh, it talks about tithes and offerings. Uh, as a church, we say that God blesses every one of us with different gifts of abilities and blessings. And he wants us to say thank you in return. And we're going to let, let you pray about that and let God lead you and guide you as how you give back to him. So I'd like to take a moment and, and pray for that time. Lord Jesus, thank you again that you've given us all the blessings we need in life. And they are one blessing on top of another. And now we pray that your spirit would create in us a thankful heart. And may our actions and what we do with our time, our talents, our treasures, reflect how thankful we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Boys and girls, come on up front for the kids' message. Come on up front, nice and close. Find a seat on the floor. Yeah, come on up. You know what? Today we're talking about how God is holy. So God is holy. He is different than anyone or anything else. And God is so much greater than we are. He's holy. And you know what? I like the way that Isaiah Chapter 6 describes God being holy. All right, so let's look and see what that says. All right, here's Isaiah chapter 6. It says, In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. And with two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings, they were flying, and they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That's amazing, isn't it? There were angels flying around God saying, Holy, holy, holy. And the, the temple shook. And it was filled with smoke while, while God was sitting on his throne. But you know what? I've got a special chair. It's kind of like a throne. And I thought I'd bring it out and show it to you. See if you're impressed. See if you think I'm special too. Because I've got a special chair. That's a throne. All right? So see what you think. Huh? Isn't that special? Huh? What? It's just a toilet? You're not impressed with my throne? No? Yeah, it doesn't really compare to God's throne at all, does it? No. All right. Well, let's keep reading and see what else we find out. All right. Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So compared to God, are we unclean? Yeah, we are, aren't we? In our sin, we are unclean. But God is holy. Yeah. But we have unclean lips. Speaking of unclean lips. Would you drink out of this? Would you let this touch your lips? I'm not either. <laughs> That's gross, isn't it? I had, a, I had a dog that used to drink out of the toilet, and that is not holy. That is gross. But anyways, no, I'm not going to drink it, no. Let's, read, let's keep reading on, all right? Uh, verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So God is pure and holy, kind of like 
this water is purified drinking water. Would you let this touch your lips? Yeah? Mm. Yeah, that's good. It's nice and refreshing. Unlike this other water, right? But you know what? Just like um, the seraphim took the coal from God's altar and it came to Isaiah, touched him, and made him clean, Jesus comes from heaven to earth to us to make us clean. So through faith in Jesus, our sin is taken away. And we are made clean like purified drinking water. Isn't that amazing that God loves us that much? That he would come from heaven to earth to come to us to make us clean. And through faith, we are made clean and our sins are forgiven. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Lord God, you are holy and we are not. But thank you for sending Jesus to make us clean. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up. You can head on back to your seats. Jesus, my old friend, I've come to talk with you again, because this fog of doubt is not lifting, convinces me that you are not listening, and the darkness that takes residence in my brain. Still remains within the sound of silence. In my struggle, I walked alone. The loneliness became my home. No words of comfort could restore my hope. Despair had brought me to the end of my road. Then my eyes were stabbed by the flash of his loving light that split the night and touched the sound of silence.
As we continue now with Holy Communion, we're going to take a moment to profess. Profess what we believe about our sinful nature. Profess what we believe about Jesus who brought forgiveness. Profess what we believe about this meal. And also profess that we want to live to God's glory. So if you would, uh, let's have that up on the screen and let's share this out together. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament. And under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in his body, the church, by regular group worship, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. And may God grant us such a faith, not only just to believe this, but also to live this out in our life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue now with the distribution of Holy Communion, if you have those individual communion uh, sets, feel free to receive those believing Jesus is truly present and forgiveness of sins is yours. And if you're going to come forward for continuous commun communion during this next song, uh, if you desire to have either gluten-free or uh, grape juice, please let the server know. And now may God grant us the faith to believe that these are God's gifts for all of God's people. Amen. Lost or saved, find them. 
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God, go in his name and in his love. Amen. Jesus, we worship you. We need you. We are thankful for the mercy you extend to us each and every day. We know you're the only one who can reach the deepest places of our souls and bring peace that passes all understanding. We lift up these prayers to you. Prayers of strength for my good friend. Give her the strength she needs as she goes through her chemo treatments. Prayers for all the graduates. May God guide your steps in the next part of life. For safe travels for you and those students traveling in Europe on a steady abroad trip. Merciful God, please be with me and my children through this storm we are currently going through. Give us peace in our hearts and comfort in knowing that you will lead us through this. Also for wisdom to know the path you want for us. Jesus, we thank and praise you for our family and for having them with us this week. Watch over them, keeping them healthy and safe as we enjoy this special weekend and as they travel back home continue to bless strengthen and heal nancy prayers for my sister karen as she is on her healing journey help her to trust you through the process god we thank you that your will and your plan is always perfect it might not be easy or always feel good but we know you see the big picture and know what's best for us. You are always good. You are always faithful. You always have steadfast love for us. These are truths that will never be untrue. So help us live in light of those truths today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Greg read a portion of that. We uh, watched this five-minute video about the holiness of God, and you heard in there Isaiah chapter 6. I just want to share with you just a portion of that again, and um, let me take you to uh, Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one said to another and, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I don't want you to kind of breeze by that too much. Something took place in the life of God's chosen people 
that was a little stirring. They had a king, a good king, for about 52 years. He sat on a throne, and he really did pretty much listen to what God wanted him to do, and it was good. So there was safety and security and maybe the, the comfort to know that they've got a king. Well, this guy is no longer there. So God moves in the heart of Isaiah to share something with God's people then and also today. The Lord is still on the throne. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you, know, you don't even know who King Uzziah is, but you know other people who sit on thrones, right? It could be politicians. It could be bosses. It could be all kinds of people who sit on the throne, and sometimes you like them, sometimes you don't. Sometimes they stay for a while, sometimes they don't. But the one good thing that we have here is God remains on his throne forever and ever. Hallelujah. There should be a song, right? Oh, there was, yeah, Handel's Messiah. Uh, but just this beautiful concept of this God being there. And look at these words. Can you, can you, you know what that is? That's Hebrew. It was so much fun taking Hebrew at the seminary. You got to read from the right to the left. And those letters don't mean anything to us in, in America, right? English. But here's the point I want to make. When you go into the original language like Hebrew, you just can't find a word or even words to grab hold of this inspired, inerrant word of God. Like those first three uh, words on the right, you, you could see they're all the same. Kadash, Kadash, Kadash. And it means holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And no English word or no word that's on this earth today can capture what the word holy means. So as we talk about this attribute of God, we have to start out just knowing we're not going to get it, at least while we're on this earth. When we get to heaven, we're going to understand holy in a beautiful way. But we get little tastes of it while we're on this earth. Now, what have we seen so far? Some of the attributes we've talked about. God is merciful, right? He doesn't give us what we deserve. God is trustworthy. While other people may not keep their promises, God always keeps his promise. God is loving, which means unconditional, spot-on loving, right time, right place, from a God who is so in love with you, all right? And that really, right, when you look at the love that the world offers, it just pales in comparison. So now we come to this attribute of holy. This is the only time in all of scriptures where an attribute of God is repeated three times. Do you think this is a big thing to God? Yeah. Holy, holy, holy. And do you remember what I keep saying every single week? How we view God will dramatically affect how we live our life, how we look at life, how we navigate through life. If we do see him as merciful, if we do see him as trustworthy, if we do see him as loving, and if we get this idea that he is holy, it will shape our thinking and how we live our life. God is holy. And I've said it already, there's not going to be any English word that's going to grab hold of the kadosh, right? The word for holy. But here's some definitions. Kadosh holy means to be cut off, to be separate, 
to be unique, unlike anything else. And you get glimpses of that right in the Old Testament especially, where you see this separation between God and mankind. Like Moses can't even get real close to God because that holiness is just too much. Or you get into the whole temple system, right? There was the temple, but then there was the holy of holies. There was the place that only the chief high priest could go into. And when he would go into it, they would actually tie a rope around his waist because if he died, nobody would go in there and be able to get him. So it was that revered and that holy and that separate. It's what they've come to know. And they've come to know it because of God's activity and God's faithfulness. Think about this moment. God has revealed himself to the children of Israel repeatedly. But now we have this moment we find in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel are now set free from Pharaoh and from Egypt. Remember, they were enslaved for 400 and some years. And now they're being set free and they come up to the Red Sea. The army is now coming from Egypt. The Red Sea is in front of them. They're doomed, right? God opens up the Red Sea. He spares them. He saves them. They get to the other side, and God demolishes the Egyptian army. And then there is this moment. It's kind of like this impromptu song that's being sung by Moses and by all the people. And here is just part of that song. Feel free to look at it. Exodus 15. Beautiful, beautiful song. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? And Moses and the children of Israel, right after that Red Sea thing, my guess, they would say there's none like you. Who could open up the Red Sea like that? Who could save? I mean, they just got to see the majestic nature of this holy God in a very real way. So if we can at least hold in our hands a little bit and just say, God is, is holy. There's nobody like him. Nobody that will ever compare to him. And we can just kind of hold that, right? And then we get this other verse that makes me feel uncomfortable. Leviticus chapter 11. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Talking to you and me. We're supposed to be holy. Not going to happen. Your sin, my sin, the sin in this world, there's a lot of unholiness. And we don't have to just look at TV to see it. We can look in the mirror. We see unholiness. It's just the way it is. So what's our hope? What, what's going to happen here? That's where the Bible project, uh, project really nailed it. It's about this Jesus who was up in the heavens, decided to come down to this earth and to bring holiness here. John chapter 1. If you haven't read it in a while, read it again. Maybe this afternoon or this week. I have the version from the message. It just says it a little differently. Um, whenever you see um, the words, the word, it's Jesus. So whenever you see that, the word, it means Jesus. The word was first. The word present to God. God present to the word. The word was God. 
in readiness for God from day one, everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. The word, Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out. True from start to finish. My summary of what John is saying, my summary of what John had come to know by the Holy Spirit is this. Jesus came to people. He saw the impurity of humanity. He saw the sin of humanity. He saw that we could not be holy as commanded by Scripture. He knew that we would fall short, so Jesus decided to come onto this earth. And we have the picture of the beautiful birth in Bethlehem, right? But one of those moments that just get my attention all the time is when Jesus had called a couple of his disciples and they were now um, making their way, and John the Baptist was doing his thing, right? Baptizing. And when he sees Jesus coming from afar, he goes, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, do you know what that meant? When he says, the Lamb of God, remember? In the old sacrificial system, there would be a lamb without blemish that would be offered up as a sacrifice. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this long-awaited perfect lamb that was going to take care of all of sin for all of time. And I joke about it, but I think it's probably true. When John said that, and he pointed and said, look, the Lamb of God, anyone with an earshot probably looked over there and was like, where? It's just a, a man with a couple guys walking around, right? They missed it. They didn't understand it. Jesus came for people. And if you walk through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at some of the stories, do you, did you see what happened? Do you see what takes place whenever Jesus enters the scene, when Jesus touches somebody's life, whether with words or with his hand? Lives are changed. Once again, that Bible project gave a beautiful example. When he touches people's lives, his holiness, his grace, his mercy all of who he is, is bestowed and given to people. That's the gift that God wants to give. It's a gift that we don't have in and by ourselves. It is a gift that's outside of us, that comes to us, and then comes in us and changes us. And it's something we can hold on to while we're on this earth until another moment that's going to happen in the future. And we don't know when. In the book of Revelation, the other time, right? We get the one time in Isaiah where it's holy, holy, holy. There is one other time where those three holies are found. Revelation chapter 4. John getting this image and picture of this, this time and place that's in the future. And he says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This Jesus, he's coming. We don't know when. Like I think it was last week or the week before, I, I talked about my friend who said, hey, you know, Jim, I got this idea. 
Today is one day closer to when Jesus is coming again. And I'm sitting there thinking, duh. But it's so true. Today is one day closer. It could be the actual day for us to meet Jesus. So how are you feeling about that? Has he touched your life? Has he changed and transformed you from the inside out? Do you take what you've come to know, this holiness, this love of God, this mercy of God, this trustworthiness of God, and do you go out and are you an ambassador of this God? I pray that we, the church, would be better than we've ever been before. That we would be bold in our witness, ready to share this message of his love to family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, enemies, people we bump into contact with. They need to have this beautiful holiness of God change their life too. So may God grant us the faith to be faithful as we go out into this world. All right, let's stand. Let me share with you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
next Sunday, everybody, go in peace and serve the Lord. Thank God for Sunday morning.